0: Welcome, everyone, to the 12th episode of POV Crypto. I'm David Hoffman, here with my friend, Christian. Christian, how you doing?
1: I'm excited, David. We're, we're growing, man. We're almost at 100 downloads for uh, one of our episodes.
0: Yeah, 500 downloads total. Really, really, that snowball is p- picking up and rolling. Very excited to, to cross that 1,000 mark, hopefully, in just a few more episodes. These are people
1: that we don't know. What's up, guys?
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting talking to strangers for the first time.
1: (laughs) Don't think about it that way, David. But we got an exciting show for you guys. Episode number 12. Remember, follow the show on Twitter at POV Crypto Pod. I'm Christian at CK underscore Snarks. David, where can people find you?
0: At Trustless underscore State. And then the uh, Twitter is uh, also the same. All right. So we have a a pretty concise episode ahead of us. We're going to basically talk about the Bitcoin world, um, actually, specifically the Bitcoin cash world, uh, because, you know, Bitcoin cash is Bitcoin, apparently, Uh, except it seems to be splitting. Uh, So we're going to have Bitcoin cash SV for Satoshi's vision and Bitcoin cash ABC. Uh, I don't know what ABC stands for. I don't think it stands for anything. Uh, It's just it's it's been surprising that it's been it's taken so long for bitcoin cash to fork and and have community issues Uh, but looks like the day is finally here where bitcoin cash uh has a split uh and they're going to be splitting between uh the eight megabyte uh version of bitcoin cash which is bitcoin abc and then uh the 32 or 128 megabyte version which is bitcoin sv one of the two i don't fucking know
1: yeah i don't think the specs actually matter i think the conflict is what matters and is the conflict is the reason for the conflict. It's a weird catch 22.
0: Yeah. Two close friends, formerly, formerly, uh, Roger Ver and Craig Satoshi, right? AKA fake Toshi. Uh, you know, that friendship was doomed to fail because those two people are two chaotic people and you can't really have two chaotic people be around each other until something it's just inevitable that something is going to go wrong. It looks like that day has finally come. Um, Craig Satoshi Wright is threatening, you know, that this is the final straw, and then that it's going to be death to anyone who doesn't come on to, uh, to Bitcoin Cash Satoshi's vision. And uh, Roger Ver is just, you know, being Roger Ver and just sticking to his Bitcoin Cash is Bitcoin Cash is Bitcoin uh, uh, tribe. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely it's a crazy. mouthful. Is, Talking yeah. about
1: Bitcoin Cash nowadays is alphabet soup.
0: Yeah, and so the two tickers on you can see them on Poloniex are BCHSV or BCHABC. It's just an absolute joke, dude.
1: <laughs> it's insanity. It's kind of funny that Roger Fair pushed calling Bitcoin by its implementation name, which is Bitcoin Core. And now the two Bitcoin caches are being called by their implementation name, which is SV and ABC.
0: Yeah, like there's too many ridiculous things to talk about. First, we have to talk about how their both projects have tried to increase the block size in order to scale the Bitcoin Cash network, but the Bitcoin Cash network has just like some blocks just don't even have transactions in them. Like it's just and they're embarrassingly empty, and they're just trying to scale to. I mean, I don't want to get this wrong. I don't know. Uh, Satoshi's vision Bitcoin cash is either 32 megabytes or 128 megabytes, but it's really just not 128. It's just doesn't, it doesn't even matter because they can't even get to 128 kilobytes. Like it's insane. (laughs) Like they've, they've gone nowhere.
1: No comment. Um, (laughs) It's trying really hard to be Bitcoin, but I don't think it's quite achieving it. Uh, David and I actually have a funny story about Bitcoin cash. It was early in our, uh, crypto journey together, and we are up the night when Bitcoin Cash had that first big pump, where the hash rate spiked and the price went up to like uh what was it,
0: 0. Was 0.4 it? bitcoins?
1: Yeah, 0. 0.4 bitcoins. What was that? Um, it was like
0: thirty, three thousand two hundred dollars or something.
1: Yeah, that was a crazy night. We were just talking about how if if they didn't flip it that night, it was never gonna happen.
0: Yeah, that was that was the one time like. Bitcoin like Bitcoin was a little bit early to, to tell if it was really going to be the one to really rule them all And that was kind of the theme of 2017 like which altcoin is going to be able to usurp Bitcoin from Bitcoin's throne And uh, Bitcoin cash came close. It went up to point four bitcoins um, it was like at three thousand two hundred dollars and B- and real Bitcoin was at five thousand eight hundred dollars And so it was getting real real close and like it was climbing and it was climbing and then I remember just Bittrex, uh, I was looking at Bittrex and it froze and when I tried to refresh it, it was down. And then when I uh, uploaded or reloaded the page again, it seemed like everyone else had freaked out and panic sold. And at that point on, it just crashed from 0.4 Bitcoins down to like 0. Uh, 0.22 Bitcoins and it just never recovered. And once that happened, that was it. Like that was Bitcoin's Cash's one opportunity to try and take over uh, the throne for the top number one crypto. And uh, ever since then, it's just been a lost cause. Like it's, it's been game over, like community stuck with the original Bitcoin. And ever since then, it's just been just a non-feasible argument that Bitcoin Cash is going to take over. Um, and especially now, now that Bitcoin Cash is going to split into two others' Bitcoin caches. Yeah, Bitcoin
1: Cash SV is now at 0.02 Bitcoin and ABC is at 0.05. When at its peak, it was at 0.4. So, quite the crash a year has made. Yeah, it's just been a little bit more than a year.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so interestingly enough, um, Christian just gave out the the current prices of the two Bitcoin Cash networks, but they haven't actually forked yet. So, this is something that's kind of interesting. Uh, they, yeah. So the the networks, the, the Bitcoin Cash network will fork on the 15th, which will be Thursday. Ah, uh, but Poloniex is doing this uh, crazy, into, uh, innovative thing where they uh, they gave they they prematurely forked the chain, or at least the assets that they hold. So every Bitcoin Cash they they gave every Bitcoin Cash holder on Poloniex one of each, uh, and so people get to prematurely trade. And if people want to trade one for the other, they can do so, and prices can shift as if they've been forked. Um, and so we kind of get this like head start on price discovery for who really wants to. Uh, to support the network
1: so it's not a fork and it's not that innovative sorry to break it to you but these are just future markets um it you know it's not that hard to do and essentially they represent all the tokens that are on the exchange on like internally you can't take you can't you know take the bcash sv off the exchange it's just inside the exchange and yeah it helps with price discovery um it's been done on uh on bitcoin uh segwit 2x a bunch of other stuff so futures markets it's you know every asset has a futures market pretty much you could i'm sure they did this on augur is this is this a market on augur
0: i don't think the ethereum community gives a fuck about bitcoin cash
1: (laughs) i mean but people bet on everything on augur yeah
0: I'll, i'll go check it out actually um i mean it's a little bit innovative in the sense that they're i don't they're the biggest exchange that's doing it um and like yeah you can't withdraw the tokens because they don't exist yet but they're doing they're doing what they can with what they have yeah gotta make money trading mm-hmm. fees are good but this just goes to show the importance of uh, community when a chain forks uh because like there's there's one thing when you take uh, the majority of the hash rate with you uh if you are hard forking um but so like that's just that's just you striking deals with the miners um and getting them and convincing them to come to your uh your chain uh but you miners aren't the community and the community is is the people that um that buy the token and support the price and so like maybe even if hypothetically bitcoin cash had the majority of hash power when it tried to take over the bitcoin network uh the bitcoin community didn't care uh and only bought bitcoin uh, the Bitcoin that they thought was the real Bitcoin. And so the the Bitcoin that we know it was the one that retained the price. Uh, and so owning the hash rate really only is one part of the battle. It's the community that provides the price of the Bitcoin or the token or whatever that will incentivize miners to ultimately mine that one in the end.
1: Yeah, miners are not going to mine against the market. So... At least for an extended period of time, it just makes no sense.
0: Okay, I'm looking at I'm looking at the Augur markets. Uh, there's a market it says which Bitcoin ca- Cash fork will have more hashing power at the end of 2018: Bitcoin ABC or Bitcoin SV. There's only a hundred dollars at stake, so it's not it's not really all that much a uh, volume. So we don't really know anything, but it's saying 60% ABC. Um, Actually, there's two markets that are identical that have that same question, and they're both sixty-ish percent um, Bitcoin ABC, but like a hundred dollars on our doesn't really mean much. But, but maybe maybe this is the beginning, and maybe people will be uh, betting on this market more in the future. I think SV is is picking up steam. The funny he- thing
1: here is it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So a bunch of the people who are behind BTC are really kind of. <laughs> socially, you know, trolling Bitcoin Cash by supporting Bitcoin Cash SV on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, so it's just kind of funny watching this all play out. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of like Bitcoin trolls who are betting on this future market and betting on SV and buying SV. So in these kind of tiny markets, um, it doesn't take a lot of people who are motivated uh, to <laughs> shake things up. Um, so I mean, I kind of want to ask you something, David, because I feel like you've over the last six months have t- changed your mind on Bitcoin a lot. Um, does watching this unfold like make uh, like encourage you that Bitcoin's hard stance against like doing non-compatible hard forks and stuff like that is like a good um, like decision for um, building on the on the software?
0: Yeah, my opinion uh, about Bitcoin definitely has changed pretty strongly. Um, likely correlated with the bear market um and just kind of seeing seeing the importance of resiliency and slowness to change that bitcoin is um i think it's it's a value proposition in itself and uh i'm gonna butcher his name partly because i don't know it but mudoff the guy who was on um uh uh, anthony pompliano's podcast uh, yeah thank you Uh, i think
1: he follows you by the way (laughs)
0: No, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. So he's probably listening to this, man.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely listening. He's going to unfollow you. Him. You fucked that up. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry about you're missing <laughs> up your name. But, yeah, he talks about how um, money is about trust. And really when I hand you whatever money is, it's it's the fact that you trust that whatever I'm handing you is going to be accepted by somebody else. Uh, and so when money changes what it is too quickly or too readily or too, too easily – then it's harder to trust that. And so there's. it's very, very important that money doesn't change or it's very, very hard to change. Uh, and so the fact that Bitcoin is hard to fork or maybe damn near impossible to fork uh, because people want Bitcoin to be whatever it is today, they want it to be that in the future, that is a quality of good money. Uh, and so th- this is why this Bitcoin Cash uh, drama is just... Comical at this point is because whatever they're doing is is it's a mutilation of what the definition of money is i like how you put that it is
1: a mutilation and uh you can tell in the price from the top of point uh, four. now there's two different coin future markets and uh neither of them are even close to that so um yeah i don't know it's it's easy to bash on bcash uh again i'm glad the experiment nice is happening I'm I'm glad I'm I'm glad the experiment is happening. Uh, first, it adds a lot more inter like a lot more entertainment in our lives because <laughs> things are pretty boring right now. So if we didn't have Noriel Fudd and then B Cash drama, like, I might be productive or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I I can, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll take this world with a with B Cash drama. Um, but you know, ultimately, uh, you know, ultimately, I think uh. The way that BTC is being built right now is the right way. And uh, I think the market is showing that it agrees. And, uh, you know, if something's doing something better eventually, I'm not going to be afraid to admit it. But it's definitely not Bitcoin Cash.
0: I'm excited for when Coin Market Cap splits Bitcoin Cash into Bitcoin Cash ABC and Bitcoin Cash SV. And people just start to really realize what kind of joke this is. Goodbye, all listeners who believe in Bitcoin Cash.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry for the the shooting, but you know, if if it turns around, we'll be here to talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll be here to give you our opinions the whole whole way. Um, but yeah, so I think the second part of this, and it's kind of funny, we're talking about Bitcoin Cash SV because now we're gonna be talking about some of the OG Satoshi's um, original writings. Um, and David and I took uh, you know a couple hours this week to dive into some of his early emails and found that he was <laughs> really ahead of his time uh, you know there's a lot of people asking some of the questions that we still hear and quote unquote fud today um, were just you know concerns back then and he was justifying them with things that still uh, still stand true uh, what was the experience like kind of diving into these first few emails David
0: I mean these, emails are just a great piece of evidence as to how magical the story of Satoshi is. Like sometimes I just sit and I think about like, how the fuck did this happen? Like, how did everything come? How did so many stars align so perfectly to produce whatever it is that Satoshi produced? Like it's, it, it's seems like way too many variables to be within his control and so it, it it's it's the strongest case for aliens coming and dropping in Satoshi onto our planet that i've ever heard he's a time traveler or some sort of time travel mechanism like my belief in in aliens visiting earth or time travel being a possibility has just skyrocketed just because of the fact that Satoshi was so incredibly insightful and was able to draw out very far away conclusions and hit them with such accuracy uh, and this is what this is this is exemplified in in some of these emails, uh, so we're going to go through some of these, and I think this we think this is uh, content that people don't really get to see very much. Um, people hear about Satoshi and and talking on Bitcoin Talk and other emails uh and and hear about it a lot but they don't actually are, are able to actually see what was written so we're going to we're going to we pu- picked some of the best emails and we're going to we're going to read them here on the podcast today. We didn't even really pick that much. We actually kind of went in
1: order. Um we're going to talk about email number 2, maybe email number 3 ever on the Bitcoin Talk and then email number 4 and 5. So um, we, we, we're literally going in order from like his first five write- public writings. But before we get started, I want to give a shout out to the Nakamoto Institute. So, uh, Pierre Richard and, uh, Michael Bitstein, um, AKA Michael Goldstein, um, put on this, uh, amazing website, which really talk about Austrian economics, Bitcoin, um, and they have a section called the complete Satoshi, which is just, an aggregation of everything that satoshi did in public um and it included these emails and that's where i got this info so check out nakamoto institute they have a great podcast called the noted podcast check that out um but yeah we're gonna dive into this i'm a terrible reader so um, get ready for this guys uh how do you want to do this david
0: uh you want me i if if you're a terrible reader i can read them and then you can comment <laughs> all
1: right i'm down for that arrangement
0: okay Email number one, introing the white paper.
1: Yeah, so I don't think we need to talk about this one too much. Uh, He pretty much just intros the white paper and the project. So uh, read it. The links are going to be in the show notes.
0: Okay. Email number two. How Bitcoin will scale. Long before the network gets anywhere near as large as that, it would be safe for users to use simplified payment verification to check for double spending, which only requires having the chain of block headers or about 12 kilobytes a day. Only people trying to create new coins would need to run network nodes. At first, most users would run network nodes, but as the network grows beyond a certain point, it would be left to more and more specialists with server farms of specialized hardware. A server farm would only need to have one node on the network, and the rest of the LAN connects with that one node. The bandwidth might not be as prohibitive as you think. A typical transaction would be about 400 bytes. ECC is nicely compact. Each transaction would have to be broadcast twice, so let's say one kilobyte per transaction. Visa processes 37 billion transactions in fiscal year 2018, or an average of 100 million transactions per day. That many transactions would take 100 gigabytes of bandwidth, or the size of 12 DVDs or 2 HD quality movies, or about $18 worth of bandwidth at current prices. If the network were to get that big, it would take several years, and by then, sending two HD movies over the internet would probably seem like not a big deal. Christian, you want to kind of uh, dissect what this really means? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think there's a lot here. Uh, First, something to to note is um, he's referring to mining nodes as network nodes, so nodes that are actually performing proof of work. Um, So I think you know these early discussions of You know not differentiating a fully validating node he kind of does see he's one node on the net at the end he says one node on the network and the rest of the land connects to that one node he's saying all the mining hash will connect to one node that that farm is running so he's saying that a node is the thing that validates it but i guess you know there's some language in there that a lot of people have used for propaganda like against nodes and Um, I think part of the Bitcoin cash thing is that they are minor vote or hash vote and against people running nodes because they think that that holds them back from scaling Bitcoin. So, uh, you know, I guess there's some confusion there. That's interesting. I think it's interesting him talking about uh, like really brushing off how Bitcoin will scale. Um, He kind of does like simple math and says like, you know, in a few years, by the time we need Visa scale... It, it won't even be an issue with Moore's Law.
0: Yeah, and that's that's one of the points that he really, really uh, nailed. Uh, sending data over the internet is just not a big deal at all. And uh, the, our bandwidth is quickly becoming exponential. Um, so that's, part, that's actually part of Bitcoin Cash argument is that, like, well, the, the internet is going to be able to handle 8 megabyte blocks uh, better and better and better. Uh, so that's why the internet can't handle, uh, or that's why Bitcoin cash should be eight meg- megabyte blocks. Um, but then again, that ignores the fact that, or 32 should, or, or 32 or 128. Or 128. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's ignoring so many other things such as, uh, don't change what money is. If you want people to use it as money as well as, uh, I mean, so what Satoshi's saying here is that, uh, that block that the internet will be able to handle more data uh but what he didn't say and what he said in other places is that the more data transacted uh per second is going to require um greater and greater uh computational hardware he kind of alludes to that at the first part um he alludes to asics yeah he alludes to asics um but then he also he also alert uh, alludes to um at first, most people, uh, most users would run network nodes. But as the network grows beyond a certain point, it would be left to more and more specialists with server farms of specialized hardware. Um, so that's what he's referring to when he says he doesn't want to uh, scale Bitcoin too quickly or too fast, uh, and he wants to retain the the smaller block size, um, simply because that that enables uh, smaller computers like laptops uh, to be able to run as nodes uh, and be able to to manage the bandwidth going across the Bitcoin network
1: I think ASICS came as one of the fastest things it's, it was kind of crazy how fast ASICS came
0: yeah what Christians is saying is that, that Satoshi saw ASICS coming and he was extremely right extremely fast with that
1: yeah no but I mean even the, the block size limit you know being put into place like that didn't prevent it whatsoever very true
0: very true All right, shall we move on to the next email? Sure, yeah. Okay, so the first part of this email is uh, from somebody questioning uh, Satoshi on uh, design choices, and so I will clarify when Satoshi takes over. So here we go. Uh, So this is email uh, number three, fighting, mining, FUD. As long as honest nodes control the most CPU power on the network, they can generate the longest chain and outpace any attackers. But they don't bad guys routinely control zombie farms of 100,000 machines or more people who i know run a blacklist of spam sending zombies tell me that they see a million new zombies a day this is the same reason that hash cash can't work on today's internet the good guys will have vastly less computational firepower than the bad guys okay so here's satoshi thanks for bringing up that point i didn't really make that statement as strong as i could have The requirement is that the good guys collectively have more CPU power than any single attacker. There would be many smaller zombie farms that aren't big enough to overpower the network, and they could still make money by generating bitcoins. The smaller farms are then the honest nodes. The more smaller farms resorting to generating bitcoins, the higher the bar gets to overpower the network, making the larger farms also too small to overpower it so that they might as well also generate bitcoins too. According to the long-tail theory, the small, medium, and merely large farms put together should add up to a lot more than the biggest potential zombie farm. Even if a big bad guy does overpower the network, it's not like he's instantly rich. All he can accomplish is to take back the money that he spent himself, kind of like bouncing a check. To exploit it, he would have to buy something from a merchant, wait until it ships, then overpower the network and try to take his money back. I don't think he could admit make as much money trying to pull a carding scheme like that as he could by generating Bitcoins. With a zombie farm that big, he could generate more Bitcoins than everyone else combined. The Bitcoin network might actually reduce spam by diverting zombie farms to generating Bitcoins instead. Satoshi Nakamoto.
1: Insanely insightful. Yep. He pretty much just breaks down in like very basic English. He even says to the bad guys how the how the incentive mechanism works for Bitcoin mining and why Bitcoin has bootstrapped itself to this point. It's really crazy.
0: One thing he didn't say in this particular email, but I think he says in, in other emails, is also um, every dollar that a farm, a computing farm puts into creating a, a computing farm is is $1 of incentive to protect the Bitcoin network. Um, so, th- so he was writing this in the time of what what he was referring to a zombie farm where where these are just merely a bunch of cpus um and just like for today's standards like consumer hardware bought enough a fries um and then you know owned by some guy who owns like 15 or 20 of them or maybe even 100. this was before the time of asics uh and so what he's talking about is just like if one guy decides to manage to pull enough computers together to create this zombie farm then he could he could um, control the network, which is so that's and that was at the beginning of the Bitcoin network where uh, it's at its weakest and most vulnerable. Uh, And so the incentive, the game theory incentive for Bitcoin was extra important at that point in time. And it seemed to have worked out.
1: This is email number three, guys. I can go back to the exact dates, but it was like in 2008. So this is 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, this is where like the hypothetical scenario of, of Bitcoin being attacked is just, I mean, we, we see it a little bit uh, less, a little bit more tangibly when we see that like Bitmain has like 45% of the network and, and stuff like that. And it's a little bit more real. But he was predicting that even though somebody might have the ability to, to attack the network, that they still won't because of general incentives.
1: And they're not So so and far. They're, and they're not. Yeah. Absolutely and hashrate is he, pumping. Yeah.
0: Making it harder and harder to, to attack it every single day.
1: Um, do you want to jump to email number four?
0: Sure, let's do it. Episode uh, Email four, why decentralization?
1: By the way, these titles are me.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm just picking up on where to start.
1: Not Satoshi.
0: You will not find a solution to political problems in cryptography. That was from uh, a Satoshi critiquer. Here's Satoshi. Yes, but we can win a major battle in the arms race and gain a new territory of freedom for several years. Governments are, are good at cutting off the heads of centrally controlled networks like Napster, but peer peer to peer networks like Gnutella and Tor seem to be holding their own. Satoshi, this one I've actually seen repeated across a number of different uh, pro Bitcoin, uh, you know, sound bites and and mediums and other publications. Yeah.
1: Um... I mean, it's it's pretty simple. He pretty much just says why he designed the system to be decentralized. Um, he's seen other decentralized systems, Tor, um, BitTorrent, stuff like that, where you're literally just connecting to peers and sharing data. Um, and it, you know, government and you know, go and companies and the, you know, n- you name it, all these people who uh, don't want you to share movies illegally and stream video. Um, you know can't stop it like today there's reddit streams for watching football and basketball or whatever you want to watch um and reddit is probably gonna become a public company and it's just like so blatant so um
0: decentralization works one thing i think that's important to note is that what he is talking about here about uh, making sure that bitcoin is decentralized so it doesn't have a centrally controlled head to be cut off that was almost perfectly uh represented when uh the sec guy i can't remember his name uh, trey clayton um talked about how uh if ether is not a security and uh is is a utility or or at least won't be filed as a security because of its decentralization and because of its decentralized characteristics uh and so that's perfectly represented here because um clayton is saying that you know we're not going to go after ethereum because it's you know decentralized self-running autonomous software that that is operated by a global community. And that's exactly what Satoshi was looking for in Bitcoin. Um, That's why he designed it the way it was. And he saw that that centralized authorities won't go after decentralized networks. And it it looks like that uh, the SEC is just throwing their hands up and giving up as soon as they realize that some particular network is sufficiently decentralized.
1: I like to call all the, like, what's happening in the altcoin bubble and what happened, you know, the past four or five years with uh, Bitcoin clones and then utility tokens, um, I call them, like, the the hydra of shit. But the SEC can't even handle the hydra of shit. Like, how is it going to handle Bitcoin and any other legitimately decentralized network? Like, it's not. Like, they just don't have the resources. It's a government agency like, they're dealing with fraud everywhere else. Like, how are they going to handle the Hydra of shit? It's so easy to spin up a token and do a token sale. Like, they just can't, you know, they can't even start to to, to regulate it. So, um, you know, decentralization is, it works against governments and it's going to probably continue to work.
0: You're using Hydra as an analogy for a beast that grows back its broken heads as soon as you cut them off. Is that is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, you can cut off the head of one shitcoin, but there's a hundred others to replace it.
0: Email five fair distribution. Some man named Ray Dillinger. The currency Bitcoin is inflationary at about thirty-five percent, as that's ha- as how much faster computer gets annually. The inflation rate of thirty-five percent is almost guaranteed by the technology. What does he mean by this, Christian?
1: So he he's saying that you know Moore's law says that um, technology is going to increase by thirty five percent every year. So therefore, um, it's going the inflation rate is going to increase that much. Um, and then Satoshi goes into explaining the difficulty adjustment.
0: Okay, here we go. Here's Satoshi. Increasing hardware speed is handled quote to compensate for increasing hardware speed and varying interest in running nodes over time. The proof of work difficulty is determined by a moving average targeting an average of number of blocks per hour. If they're generated too fast, difficulty increases. As computers get faster and faster, uh, and the total computing power applied to creating bitcoins increases, the difficulty increases proportionally to keep the the total new production constant. Thus, it is known in advance how many new bitcoins will be created every year into the future. The fact that new coins are produced means that the monetary supply increases by a planned amount, but this does not necessarily result in inflation. If the supply of money increases at the same rate that the number of people using it increases, price remains stable. If it does not increase as fast as demand, there will be deflation and early holders of money will see increase in value. Coins have to get initially distributed somehow, and a constant rate seems like the best formula. Satoshi Again, like crazy, crazy insightful. He what basically what he's saying is that there needs to be some inflation in the early network of the, of the in the early Bitcoin network in order to kind of match people's adoption, uh, and so he uh, he set up Bitcoin so that it would print new tokens at some sort of rate comparable to the adoption of Bitcoin itself by other people. Uh, judging by the absolute inf- explosion of Bitcoin price, it sounds like that he wasn't aggressive enough with the inflation of the Bitcoin supply uh, because people started to hoard Bitcoin way earlier than he might have intended. Um, but the, the the comment on how like uh, it's, it's good for Bitcoin distribution to be inflationary early to incentivize adoption is, is incredible.
1: Yeah, I also think that the last part is really important too. He said coins have to be initially distributed somehow and a constant rate seems like the best formula so um, in cryptocurrency world a lot of criticism goes towards how are these funds initially allocated right um, so you know a lot of founders keep a stake um, some coins, uh, the developer team gets a portion of every mining reward. Um, there's a whole bunch of different ways that people do it. You could be like ripple where you just insta mine it and then you have it all, um, same with stellar. So, um, the way that this value is created and distributed is important. And Satoshi was very conscious with how he did it and he was trying to be fair, which is, uh, uh, which I think is, uh, which I think is really important. Um, I mean, I, we could go through Satoshi's quotes uh, <laughs> for a lot longer. We only pulled up five here. Um, do you that was wanna, a good first
0: five.
1: Yeah, do you want to jump in any more? Like, what, like what's kind of your your thinking here?
0: No, I think that was a good place to start. Um, if we get positive feedback, I think we can definitely read some more Satoshi emails. Um, but yeah, drop us a review and uh, or a tweet on Twitter and let us know if you enjoyed uh, reading or hearing about Satoshi's emails. And uh, if we get enough of those, we will continue.
1: Yeah, awesome. Well, with that, guys, I think we can uh, we can end the show. I'm Christian here uh, at CK underscore snarks. Having a great time doing this podcast with David. Seeing some uh, some good progress on the way. Uh, just really enjoying it. So thanks for coming on the ride.
0: Yeah, we have a number of cool episodes lined up for you guys, including how to make money with the Bitcoin light, uh, Lightning Network, passive income, best kind of income. Uh, I'm David Hoffman. You can find me at trustless underscore state on Twitter and on Medium. Same thing. Uh, And then you can follow the uh, Twitter for the show at POV Crypto Pod. You guys can be early adopters of the Twitter account and
1: early followers. So I think the value of your follow increases with time.
0: Definitely does. Definitely does. Maybe we should consider minting uh, POV Crypto Pod uh, tokens. We'll, We'll give them away for free. I think that's a fair way to distribute we'll let the community decide how valuable they are all right david this is a fun show all right thanks guys thanks for listening please review we need them It's up for you too.